European Hearts Journal Issue at a Glance, Volume 37, Issue 42, Focus Issue on Prevention, by Editor-in-Chief Professor Thomas Luscher. Prevention, some important steps forward, but many unmet needs in a world with a leading cardiovascular mortality. Prevention is better than cure. The proverb remains as important now as it has been for decades and centuries. Without a doubt, we have made substantial progress. We can lower blood pressure if it is too high. We can treat hyperlipidemia, as again outlined in the 2016 ESC guidelines, and indeed, for the first time, prevent cardiovascular mortality in diabetics. Nevertheless, we do not do enough. Of note, Many patients with high blood pressure do not reach recommended targets. Many patients with hyperlipidemia are inadequately treated or stop drugs when negative media reports appear, and diabetics are often far from being well controlled. Thus, the Epidemiological Update 2016 for Cardiovascular Disease in Europe by Nick Townsend and colleagues from the British Heart Foundation Centre on Population Approaches for Non-Communicable Disease Prevention in Oxford, United Kingdom, comes at the right time to remind us of the unmet needs in cardiovascular medicine. Of note, the current report is the fourth in a series of papers describing the burden of cardiovascular disease within Europe. Not surprisingly, as the implementation of preventative measures is still less than perfect, Cardiovascular disease remains the most common cause of death worldwide, with the 2013 Global Burden of Disease study estimating that cardiovascular disease caused 17.3 million deaths globally. It accounted for 31.5% of all deaths and 45% of all non-communicable disease deaths, more than twice that caused by cancer, as well as more than all communicable, maternal, neonatal, and nutritional disorders combined. The 2013 Global Burden of Disease also reported that cardiovascular disease caused a greater number of deaths and was responsible for a greater percentage of all deaths than in 1990, when 12.3 million deaths were attributed to cardiovascular disease, corresponding to 25.9% of total deaths. Previous publications in this series have reported that despite the decreases in cardiovascular disease mortality in Europe, more than 4 million people die from cardiovascular disease across the continent every year, with more than 1.4 million dying prematurely before the age of 75 years. In their report, the authors present an updated overview of the burden of cardiovascular disease in Europe, including new statistics for mortality, morbidity, and treatment. Where possible, statistics are provided for all cardiovascular disease and for coronary heart disease and stroke in particular. All data included here are updated from previous publications, and the authors present prevalence statistics for the first time. The series of publications describing the current burden and distribution of cardiovascular disease and coronary heart disease in Europe has been based on the European Cardiovascular Disease Statistics 2012 report, the fourth in a series of Europe-wide compendia which was published jointly by the European Hearts Network and the European Society of Cardiology. Although several approved drugs are able to lower glucose, 
Few, if any of them, convincingly showed that they are also able to reduce cardiovascular mortality and morbidity. Indeed, while metformin was never tested in proper controlled randomized trials, dipeptidyl peptidase 4 inhibitors lower glucose but do not reduce major cardiovascular events. Thus, the novel class of sodium glucose co-transporter 2, SGLT2 inhibitors, are a true breakthrough as one molecular of this class, i.e. impagliflozin, for the first time showed a convincing reduction in cardiovascular mortality. The current review, sodium glucose co-transporter 2, SGLT2, inhibition for the reduction of cardiovascular events in high-risk patients with diabetes mellitus, by Nikolaus Marx and colleagues from the Uniclinic RWTH Aachen in Germany, updates us on this novel class of antihyperglycemic drugs that increase urinary glucose excretion, thus improving glycemic control independent of insulin. The recently published EMPA-REG outcome trial demonstrated in 7,020 patients with diabetes and prevalent cardiovascular disease that the sodium glucose co-transporter 2 inhibitor impagliflozin reduced the combined cardiovascular endpoint of cardiovascular death, non-fatal myocardial infarction, and non-fatal stroke as compared to placebo. In addition, and quite unexpectedly, impagliflozin robustly reduced cardiovascular death overall mortality, and hospitalization for heart failure. Various factors beyond glucose control, such as weight loss, blood pressure lowering, and sodium depletion, renal hemodynamic effects, improved myocardial energetics, and or neurohormonal effects, among others, may contribute to these beneficial effects. Another important issue in prevention is stroke prevention not only in patients with hypertension, but particularly in those with atrial fibrillation. To that end, vitamin K antagonists and the novel oral anticoagulants are used. To balance stroke protection and bleeding risk, better stroke risk prediction is needed. The Atria Stroke Risk Score was developed and validated in two large California community atrial fibrillation cohorts. In a first clinical research paper entitled Comparison of the Atria CHADS2 and CHA2DS2VASC Stroke Risk Scores in Predicting Ischemic Stroke in a Large Swedish Cohort of Patients with Atrial Fibrillation, Sarah Asperg and colleagues from the Karolinska Institutet in Stockholm, Sweden, compared the performance of the Atria CHADS2 and CHA2DS2VASC scores, the latter of which is recommended by current ESC guidelines in a national Swedish atrial fibrillation cohort. The authors examined all 152,153 Swedish patients hospitalized or visiting a hospital-based outpatient clinic with a diagnosis of atrial fibrillation over a five-year period not receiving warfarin. Overall, 11,053 acute ischemic strokes were observed with a mean rate of 3.2% per year, higher than the 2% per year observed in the California cohorts. Using entire point scores, 
Atria had a good C-index of 0.708, significantly better than CHADS2, which received 0.69, or CHA2DS2VASC with 0.694. Using published cut points for low, moderate, or high risk, the C-index deteriorated, but the Atria score remained superior. The net reclassification improvement, or NRI, favoured Atria with a value of 0.16 versus CHADS2 and of 0.21 versus CHA2DS2VASC. The NRI decreased when cut points were altered to better fit the cohort's stroke rates. The authors conclude that the Atria score predicted ischemic stroke risk better than CHADS2 or CHA2DS2VASC. However, relative performance of the categorical scores varied by population stroke rates. Score cut points may need to be optimised to better fit local population stroke rates. These provocative findings are further discussed in a comprehensive editorial authored by John A. Cairns from McMaster University Medical Centre in Ontario, Canada. Abdominal aortic aneurysms are often accidental findings, particularly in elderly smokers. Depending on size, surgery or stenting might be indicated. Thus, in patients with smaller aneurysms, inhibition of their growth might represent an important preventative measure. In a randomized placebo-controlled trial, an evaluation of the effect of an angiotensin-converting enzyme inhibitor on the growth rate of small abdominal aortic aneurysms, ARDVARC, Colin David Bicknell and co-investigators of the aortic aneurysmal regression of dilation value of ACE inhibition on RISC-K trial investigated whether ACE inhibition reduces small abdominal aortic aneurysms growth rate independent of blood pressure lowering. This three-arm multicenter single-blind randomized controlled trial was conducted in 14 hospitals in England in 224 subjects 55 years or older with abdominal aortic aneurysms with a diameter of 3.0 to 5.4 centimeters. They were randomized 1 to 1 to 1 to receive perindopril arginine 10 milligrams or amlodipine 5 milligrams or placebo over two years. Mean changes in systolic blood pressure in the three groups averaged 0.5 millimeters of mercury minus 9.5 millimeters of mercury and minus 6.7 millimeters of mercury respectively. No significant differences in the modeled annual growth rates were apparent. The estimated difference in annual growth between the perindopril and placebo groups was 0.08 millimeters. Similar numbers of aneurysms in each group reached 5.5 centimeters diameter and or underwent elective surgery. Thus, the authors conclude that small abdominal aortic aneurysms growth rates are lower than anticipated, but neither perindopril nor amlodipine were effective in lowering their growth rate. Survival after out-of-hospital cardiac arrest remains disappointingly low. Among patients admitted alive, early prognostication remains challenging. 
In a third clinical research paper entitled The CAHP Cardiac Arrest Hospital Prognosis Score, a tool for risk stratification after out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, Florence Dumas and colleagues from the Paris Descartes University in France developed the Sudden Death Expertise Centre Registry in Paris, a stratification score for patients admitted in intensive care units after out-of-hospital cardiac arrest, according to their neurological outcome. The primary outcome was poor neurological outcome defined as cerebral performance category 3, 4 or 5 at hospital discharge. The score was validated in both a prospective and an external dataset in the Parisian Cardiac Arrest Registry. The developmental dataset included 819 patients. Seven variables were independently associated with poor neurological outcome, i.e. age, non-shockable rhythm, time from collapse to basic life support, time from basic life support to return of spontaneous circulation, location of cardiac arrest, epinephrine dose, and arterial pH. Three risk groups were identified. Low risk, score less than or equal to 150-39% of unfavorable outcome. Medium risk, score 150-200, to 200, 81% of unfavorable outcome. And high risk, score greater than or equal to 200, 100% of unfavorable outcome. The AUC of the score was 0.93, and the discrimination value in the validation datasets was consistent. The authors conclude that the cardiac arrest hospital prognosis score represents a simple tool for early stratification of patients admitted in intensive care units after out-of-hospital cardiac arrest. A high-risk category of patients with very poor prognosis can be easily identified. The editors hope that this issue of the European Heart Journal will find the interest of its readers.